Welcome to episode one of the Hub City Homers, the new and dare I say future best Texas Tech sports podcast. I'm here with Kendall, Jack, and Reed. My name is Michael. We are, like I said, the brand new kids on the block. A lot of movement in the tech blogosphere with these consolidation over at Guns Up Nation. They have a great network of podcasts, but we all write for Viva the Matadors. Um, We're all really excited to bring this project to you guys. We're going to be talking all tech sports. We'll probably record about twice a month during this kind of baseball offseason period. And then with football, you'll probably hear from us every week if you guys like us. Um, Like I said, my name is Michael. I live in Houston, Texas. I'm a Texas Tech graduate of the Rawls College of Business. Um, I live and work in Houston. And I have been a tech sports fan, actually real recent Conver, only about really I wouldn't claim to be any older than an eight-year-old tech sports fan. I, when I chose to go to tech and follow in my dad's footsteps, I kind of embraced it. And now I am a college football fanatic, so I follow that sport most closely, but I do watch basically any college sport under the sun. So I hope that you guys can like it. If you ever read my stuff on Viva, you know I am not the world's greatest author, but I am hopefully pretty good at hot takes. So I hope you guys enjoy. And I'm going to hand it off to Kendall and introduce himself. We're going to introduce the gang in, a, in here in a sec. And our first topic for episode one, the first thing we're going to talk about, and it's fitting for the season, is what is the ceiling for Texas Tech baseball? So once everybody's had a chance to tell you a little bit about themselves, that's where we're heading. All right, Kendall, you're up. Hi, my name's Kendall. Um, I live in Iowa City, Iowa, actually. So kind of grew up around the University of Iowa. My family was big Iowa fans, but their brand of football was, uh, I'm not going to say boring, but it wasn't the most exciting stuff. So I became a Tech fan in 08, watching Crabtree make that amazing catch against Texas. And uh, I really just kind of latched on to that ever since. Um, I consider myself very good at writing about basketball, and that's where the bulk of my knowledge is. I really enjoy watching football, but I'm just not necessarily great at writing about it or talking about it much, but I really enjoy tech basketball. It's probably my favorite sport of theirs right now, so I'm just really excited to get going with this podcast. All right, what's up, guys? I'm Reed. Uh, I've been a tech fan, honestly, my whole life. My, uh, my dad's side of the family lives out here, so I grew up coming out here. I'm from the uh, DFW area, so kind of a close to home a little bit, I guess. Um, but uh, sports interests, I like football, basketball, um, really anything like that. I actually work for the football team right now uh, for the last couple of years. Um, it's been a great experience. I get to see a lot of firsthand stuff I wouldn't get to see anywhere else. Um, just some some stuff I'm passionate about writing about. If I didn't work for football, I'd definitely write about them, but not – uh, my forte right now while I work for him. But uh, other than that, I'd say probably basketball. And I'm also pretty interested in golf. Tech's got a pretty good men's and women's golf team. So whenever there's some some big stories coming out of there, I also like to write about them as well. So, All right. Uh, what's up, everyone? I'm Jack. And uh, I have been writing for Viva for a short amount of time, probably about three months now. Uh, I live in Lubbock. I technically, or right now I do go to school at Texas Tech, uh, graduating in December from the college of media and communication. And, uh, my favorite sport happens to be the one that I write about, which is baseball. So, uh, I'm pretty good at, uh, 
writing about it, or I like to think so most times. Uh, right now, um, my hobbies mostly include golf. I like to hit the golf course as much as I possibly can. Uh, I've been a tech fan my entire life. Uh, my family has had season tickets for football since before I was born, and they're coming right up on the, uh, I think, 35-year mark for season tickets for football. So I have uh, been going to tech games technically since before I was born. So I've uh, been a tech fan my entire life and knew I was going to go to tech pretty much ever since uh, I started going to the games. So I'm finishing up now and uh, that's where I'm at. All right. So the, these are the guys. Um, we're going to get better at this every week. Um, and now that you met us all, you can see what we're going to be, what everybody's kind of strong at, what everybody's not. This is a learning experience for us. None of us have ever run a podcast that I'm aware of, at least not for very long. I've only been on one or two and we, you know, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to make this work and hopefully you guys enjoy it. Um, now that we've all had our introductions, we're going to get right into it and we're going to start us off with going to Jack, who's going to lead off topic one of our new show. And the first topic, the very first topic of Texas Tech sports we're looking at is in season, like I said, and it is what is the ceiling for Texas Tech baseball? I like to think the show will just kind of be an open dialogue. So after Jack gives us a little rundown, you're just going to hear us talk, and I hope you like to listen. All right, Jack, what do you think? What can this team do even after all these godforsaken injuries? Well, you said it. Uh, you know, injuries have been the name of the game this year, unfortunately. Uh, for the Red Raiders, still uh, we have compiled a 31 and 11 record on the year. Uh, we're 22 and four at home, which is why all of these uh, games that we're playing right now, or we're supposed to play this weekend, are huge for the Red Raiders. Uh, we'd like to get in that home host spot in the top 16 teams. Those uh, those sites will be announced, I believe, next week uh, by the NCAA. So um, if we get a home host for a regional, I really firmly believe that uh, we can take home that regional spot. We can uh, win that regional. And then, uh, you know, at that point, if, if we're good enough to host a super regional, I, I think our home, our home field advantage – for tech is going to be our best bet at uh, seeing what we can truly uh, get to on the ceiling wise, which uh, for me, I'm kind of at the point now where tech baseball has become so good recently and everything that I'm kind of, I'm spoiled at it saying that it's like an Omaha or bust type situation, uh, which is, it's a little, <laughs> I guess the word I'm looking for is spoiled. But that's uh, that's where we're at as far as I'm concerned. You know, it's more of a uh, Omaha or bust situation right now. Uh, I'm, I am confident the fact that each time we've been to Omaha, we've gone deeper each time. We've won more games. And uh, it's it's good. And, and I think, uh, and y'all can chime in on this too, these, these tournaments that we're playing at the beginning of the year, uh, you know, you have that that uh, run against the SEC in Arlington. And we lost all three, granted, but we're playing those top SEC teams. There's a good chance that 
all three of those teams could be back in Omaha, if not two of the three for sure. I mean, you have Arkansas, who we played in the very first game, who's been number one in the country for, I guess, for more than 80% of the year so far. So like I said, I mean, that, I think that helps Tech in a big way. But um, I'll hand it off to, to y'all and so we can kind of open this uh, dialogue. But, you know, I, I'm at the point where I'm kind of at an Omaha or bus situation right now. I would tend to agree with that because, like, just watching this team, uh, when they're playing at their best, they've proven in the Texas and the TCU series that they can beat just about anyone. And I think – but when they're at their worst, which was shown in, like, the Baylor and the Kansas State series, that those can get really rough. So I just think that as long as they can stay consistent, I do agree that it is an Omaha or bus season. I mean, it kind of depends. Um, the problem with Omaha or bust this year is because you, the number one reason teams don't succeed in baseball, and especially college baseball, where you can't throw a guy usually more than seven innings. You don't see very many guys throw eight. You know, you very, very rarely see complete games. Uh, when that's the truth, you know, where the average outing is probably six innings, maybe seven if they're an ace, you have to have three starters and Bare minimum, usually you need four or five. You'd probably need four solid relievers and a fifth guy to come out of the pen and help. And that's how that that needs to be what you have because you, you're probably going to end up having days where a guy's off. And the problem for Tech right now is is if Monteverde and if Micah Dallas are off, you will lose two out of three games every weekend because Montgomery is a great pitcher, but by the time we get to Sunday, there's nobody behind him. And if Micah Dallas or Monteverde can't pitch six, seven innings, you just burn your arms too fast. So the problem with Tech is if they get to the point where they need to start winning third games, you know, say you get to the regional, you need three, or the super, you get into the, the, the true best of three, you don't take the first two, then you're in trouble. And that's why for me, I think if Tech hosts, they should win a regional. But, you know, you're going to get to the super, and then you've got to win the first two games. And once you get into Omaha, it'll be what it'll be, but – uh, if you get to that third game, and I think it comes down to that third game, I don't think Tech can get past it. You just don't have enough arms. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, that that comes into the point where you're talking with those injuries, how big those injuries are. I mean, if you have someone that you have, you know, like a, that Austin Becker or a Hunter Dobbins, even uh, Brutoski, who all those guys didn't even pitch a single inning this year just because of elbow problems on that staff. I mean, you, I mean, you're thinking the sky's the limit if you have not just one, but if you have all three of those guys right now, it's, it's crazy to think of the ceiling that's possible for this team. Yeah, I'd go off that. I think our offense is good, good enough to go with, I mean, anybody in the nation, we got a crazy good lineup from two to six, you know, I think minus the injuries to the outfield, we would have an even deeper lineup than we do now. He's got guys like Dylan Carter. I mean, he's a great outfielder. Don't get me wrong, but he's not a guy that you want hitting with the bases loaded with the game on the line. I would particularly say, um, you know, having guys like Noisy and some some dudes like that that have been in situations in the past would would help a lot more. But uh, yeah, going off the injuries as well and the pitching staff, we we got plenty of arms in the bullpen. Just no little to no experience outside of the top four guys. And when, when they have been in, they've either been really good or really bad. And, you know, when you t- face teams like the Arkansas and the, 
um, you know, Texas is down the road, that's, that's going to become a problem pretty quick. Yeah. I mean, what's funny to think about with that is like, what, why can't they just throw strikes? I'm okay. If a guy gets out there and just gets drilled, that's going to happen to, you know, your, 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 your freshmen or your, your backup relief pitchers, they're going to get hit and they're going to get hit hard. What I don't understand is a division one college baseball player throw eight or nine balls out of 10 pitches. These are guys they're going out and getting out of high school that are supposed to come in and be ready in a year. I mean, they can't, it's fundamentally inability to throw strikes. That's killing these guys. Cause here's the thing. They're not getting hit cause they're walking everybody. They're just, we walk, Wells comes in against Texas. Now that's different, big situation, a lot of pressure, but he throws eight straight balls. I mean, it's just, are we coaching them to throw around the plate? I mean, what's the, what's the, what happens that causes that? And that's what, where I get nervous is it's not necessarily that you don't have strong arms in the bullpen is you don't have arms that can throw strikes right now. And that's scary because you're going to play teams where they're going to hit you hard. And if you walk them around the bases, they're just going to murder you. They'll, they'll blow you out of games as we saw Texas did. And as we saw Baylor did really too, when you just couldn't, you couldn't throw strikes. Well, yeah, and it's not just from now. I mean, you've you've seen these problems take place ever since that opening series. You know, if you look back on that individual box score of that first Arkansas game, and I remember because I was there, I was in Arlington, uh, what or watching this game, covering this game, and you know, you're in this game for really eight innings. You're right there with a team that's now been ranked number one for. Like I said, 80% of the season, you're right there. And then you bring guys in in the ninth inning. We had to use like three pitchers in the ninth because no one could hit the strike zone. So that's that's what you're talking about, and that's a, that's a legitimate fear. And like you said, it has come. It has reared its head against Baylor, uh, against Kansas State, against uh, Texas in the last game, really. Uh, and the other, the other issue for me is – the hitting with runners in scoring position. Uh, I know that in that Baylor game on Sunday, the series finale, the rubber match of that series, and Tech goes out and loses by score of by score of thirteen to three. I know for a fact that I believe they were zero for thirteen or zero for fourteen with runners in scoring position, and you're not going to win anything doing that. And that's just the way it is. You're not gonna win. You're not gonna win one game of a regional. You're gonna lose. You're gonna go zero and two in a home regional and get blown out at home. And you're going home if you're gonna go zero for fourteen with runners in scoring position. And in the games where Tech wins, the best game I think Tech has played all season that seventeen to seven Sunday game against TCU. I believe they were like 10 for 14 with runners in scoring position in that game. So it's it's really, it's Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde here. I mean, you don't really know what you're going to get from this team, and especially now with, you know, people like Kurt Wilson not being able to hold a bat or Noisy now out for the rest of the year. So it really is, it's unsettling. It was unsettling when they were in there. And now that you don't have what little consistency that you did have in there, uh, it it makes it a little more, it, it makes it even more unnerving to say the least. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's one of those things about baseball that you, you, you hate. It's the only sport where the defense controls 100% basically the, 
of, of the pace and, the, and really the outcome of the game. It boils down to can your pitcher beat their batter? It's the only sport where an offensive player sits there and has to – you have to – everything is based on the guy who throws the ball and how do they field it. I mean, I, I think Tech can win – Several games. Don't get me wrong. I think they can win a regional. I think they could win a super. But where you get anxious is, you know, it's it, it it's it's when you get into these critical situations late in games where you are stuck with a reliever. Because here's the thing: even Micah Dallas's best outing, his all-time best, he's not throwing that ninth inning 99.99 percent of the time. And if you're going out there and you blow a lead, which Tech has been known to do, you blow a lead. You have to trust that your bats can go out there and get it back, and they haven't always delivered. Now, Jace Young is a phenomenal player. Drew Baker's been incredible basically every game. But outside of really those two guys, you do lack consistency. And that, that it's concerning. But, you know, Tadlock is doing, I think, one of his better coaching jobs to take this duct tape together team as far as he has. I mean, you're going to fall third, potentially second in the Big 12 and all that missing most of your starting pitching staff that you thought you were going to have this year. Because here's the thing. I don't know if Monteverde starts if, you know, Dobbins or Birdsell or these guys stay healthy. You know, the, the, I, I, I'm not 100% confident that we see him. You definitely don't see Montgomery in a starting role um, if those guys are healthy. You, you, you're throwing somebody else on Sundays. And it, it we'll see. It'll be what it'll be. But, man, there are some there, – there's question marks, and it's just going to come down to which tech team shows up. You know, and I agree with Jack. He said this a little earlier and how we've been so spoiled the past couple of years. And, like, it's been the same with both baseball and basketball. It's like we've been so spoiled that almost going into the postseason, our expectations are so high that we don't really know necessarily what to expect. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's 100% true with how Tech fans view baseball. And like you said, basketball too. Especially because I don't know if you guys remember this, but basketball – if you look back, if you guys did this when we were we were getting ready for Arkansas, and there were a lot of Tech fans who felt pretty confident in that game, but if you look back, there's no reason to believe Tech was a better basketball team than Arkansas. Tech had a million question marks. Arkansas really didn't. But because we all believed in Chris Beard, nobody questioned it. I think you get some of that with baseball. You just get – it's a blind loyalty, and I love it, and Tadlock's a great coach. Don't get me wrong. He's earned the respect. But there is just the truth of the matter. This team is not – as good as last year's and it wasn't as good as the team before that it could have been you know if you're healthy but that's not how the the the, the baseball broke this time it, it, you 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 lose you, what is arguably your all-around best player in Dylan Noisy you lose three or four arms out of the bullpen that you were going to count on to win every day and that that hurts the top the top end talent of the team I think Tech's starting pitching is as good as anybody's and I think the lineup is solid it's just you know you're not in that position but yeah, we'll trust I, to get it done. Yeah. yeah, and absolutely, and I agree with that. And I think it's more evident on the uh, on the pitching staff. You know, like you said, you don't you. I think you might see Monteverde in a starting role if uh, if everyone's healthy. But I think your starting lineup, your your starting rotation, your weekend rotation looks more like a uh, like a Monteverde, uh, Becker, and uh, Birdsell to me. Yeah, I mean, Birdsell, what was he throwing before that injury? Like ninety six was the uh, top. He, he, yeah, he he was he was in he was in the uh, he was I think on uh, D one baseball keeps a good stat sheet. They call it the heat sheet. They have him on there clocked at ninety. They said he touched ninety nine in that Arlington series that he pitched against. I don't know if he pitched good against Ole Miss, but he was he was consistently in. 
from 97 to 99. He's touched 99 a couple times this year. Yeah, the fact you got a starter that can do that is is huge. But if you go and lose him on top of the guys we already lost, that's just going to kill you, especially going down the road. So, I mean, you got like Montgomery pitch incredible. And I, it was that West Virginia weekend, I believe, where he won National Pitcher of the Week or whatever it was. But And then in the last two addings he's had, he's pretty much blown up in the first three innings. And, you know, you just can't really count on somebody like that when you face teams down the road in the regional and the super regional. Yeah, and I think, I think part of the problem with Tech is um, you've got a guy like Montgomery who's very clearly like a head case, right? You know, him, Micah Dallas has this problem too. But Montgomery, Easton Morrell chucks that ball in the yard. Until then, Montgomery was pitching far better than I think most of the pitchers had that weekend. I mean, he was really dialed in, extremely comfortable, and all it took was one mistake. Best I'd ever seen, I'm sure. Yeah, he, all it took was one mistake, and it was like the wheels just – he crashed and burned. I mean, it was literally the next pitch level fall apart. And I I was – I mean, you want to blame Morrell for that, but at the same time, you're – you're like I, I get back to your Division One starting pitcher. There has to be an expectation that you can handle that. And he really – you know, you don't see him out there because he pitches great. His top end is amazing stuff, but – he has the lowest floor on the staff right now for the st- the three weekend starters, and you don't see him if some of these guys are healthy. Because here's the thing: when Burtzell leaves A and M, he left A and M because he wasn't really throwing that well. But you know, you're trying to place a guy like John McMillan who was throwing a hundred. Burtzell was the guy to do that. That's who Tech wanted to come out there, throw 98 mile per hour fastballs, and just mow people down. When they wanted to blunt force, overpower someone, that's who they were going to throw. And now. I mean, what, what's the next strongest arm? Ninety six on our lineup. Do we have anybody throwing upper upper nineties still? Uh, well, you got lit- you have Montgomery. Montgomery th- is the one who's who's the next highest, and he's touched ninety six once or twice. Shit. And and he did it, and he did it against, and he did it in Austin, <laughs> and and it was in the first inning of that game where he went one, two, three like that. And the thing is, for me, it's not just Montgomery who is living in his head, like you said. If you look at the two, if the two starts where Monteverde has fallen apart, it's the same thing. Something oh, yeah. ha- something happens where, like, if there's an error in the field, or if maybe he doesn't get a call where he's halfway to the dugout and the umpire calls ball instead of strike, he's in his head immediately, and and that's and that's a big reason why I think that he's just now making the jump to Division One this year in his fifth year. I think that if he if he was able to pitch as well as he had consistently without living in his head, I think you see him in a divi- at a Division One school long before this season. Yeah, I mean that's one thing about that is you got to think about it this way. I think the Friday night slot's cursed. To be honest, I think we've had consistently the worst pitching has been in some of our Friday night games. I mean, look at Monteverde was arguably one of the better pitchers in the Big Twelve. He flips to Friday, and we move Micah Dallas out of Friday, who was getting lit up week in, week out. I mean, Micah Dallas could not seem to get out of games without giving up four or five runs. And then you flip those two, and suddenly Micah Dallas is throwing seven innings without a, without much of a concern until his arm just ran out of gas against Texas, and Monteverdi can't seem to get out of games. I mean, he wasn't awful, but he's no, he's been nowhere near as strong. So I just wonder, if, if it, is it something about pitching first these guys don't like? I mean, is it something about 
um, the, the, the thought process of I've got to set the tone because it seems whoever we stick in Friday night, you can guarantee within four innings they're done. I mean, within four innings. It's just we haven't had a guy who can do it, which means you got to go throw sublet for five innings, which you don't want to do because he's your strongest reliever arm. Because if you don't get sublet back, if that game against Texas is not rained out, I think Texas wins going away. I think the, the bullpen was done. There was nobody left. Wells might have gotten that last out after giving up without any more damage. But I think Texas beats you if you don't get sublet back. And the reason why we can't see we can't use him Friday, Sunday is because he's got to throw five innings every Friday. Yeah, I agree 100%. I, I agree exactly. If you, if you If that game does not get rained out Saturday night and you have to finish it Sunday – then I, I firmly believe that Texas at least plates two, if not more, uh, in that start on Sunday. Uh, you know, the that is the problem. And the, and the fact is, you know, you could come out and some of your more experienced relievers are the ones that are turning in these inconsistent outings. You know, you have people that were great in 2019 and that can't even hit, they couldn't hit the strike zone if it was on the you know, if they they couldn't hit the broad side of a barn if they wanted to right now, which is concerning to say the least. And you know, it's easy to nitpick about stuff like this, but this is the difference between making it to Omaha and getting to that final series in Omaha. Because I guarantee you, if you can't, if you bring in a pitcher like mentioned earlier that throws eight balls out of ten pitches, you're going to go zero and two in Omaha, and they're going to wave you goodbye. Kendall, as you live in Iowa, I know that that's that you're an Iowa fan and that's Big Ten country, so you're used to bad baseball. But watching what the Big Twelve is bringing this year, do you think that if Tech had been healthy, that this was a year they could have won it, or is Texas and TCU just good enough to stop Tech from winning yet another title? I I feel like definitely that they would have had a very good shot, fully healthy, just because. I mean, you've seen the way like they have played even with all these injuries. You've seen the way they've played against teams like TCU and Texas that, that were mentioned. And at the beginning of the season, they struggled against those SEC teams. But they still, I feel like if they were fully healthy, they would have had a lot better chance going into Big 12 play to really pick it up. So I feel like the injuries have just really impacted this season. And I you can't really speak on it on like what they would have done, but I think they would have had a really good chance to uh, win the conference for sure. Now there, the, the thing that we haven't really touched on, and I think it's interesting is, and it's always been true with tech baseball. And I think Jack kind of touched on it a little bit, but you know, the, the, the importance of being able to host in Lubbock can't be underrated. You know, tech has an insane record at home over the last five years. I mean, I think they, they're, they're I, I don't know of a year where they've lost more than five games at home in the last several years. Um, I mean, they just, that's how dominant tech has been in its home ballpark. But with the new COVID rules, you're normally your top eight teams are probably going to host their supers most of the time, depending on how everything else plays out. But this year, because of COVID restrictions, the bottom, the, the, the 16 teams we've got, you know, you can't just go to the next school to host if some of these regional hosts fall. You can't do it because they have to clear stringent COVID protocols. So I guess the question becomes, you know, if you're tech and you're not in that, that top eight seed position where you're really confident you're going to get your super, you know, there's still a chance you get the super just by default. 
because if a regional host falls, it's got to go to you. It can't go to the next team up. So I think the easiest path for Tech to get to the Omaha, and it's just because Tech is dominant in its own ballpark. I mean, it just I, I don't think there are many teams who can feel extremely comfortable saying they're going to go into Lubbock and beat Tech twice. Um, so that that it's a fun thing about this year that adds another level to this. It's just who gets to host at all outside of just the normal rankings. Who's going to be allowed to host? Because the NCAA could step in at any time and say, you know, we don't like what Vanderbilt's doing. We we don't like how their stadium's prepared. We're not going to let them host. They got to go to Arkansas to go play, you know, or the, wherever the hell else they need to go to go play. Or they could be a host away from their own ballpark. You know, they, they could easily step in and say the case trajectory in Lubbock is bad, so we're not going to let you guys play in tech. You got to go to Amarillo, go play it with the, the home of the sod poodles, which was awesome environment so it's just something to keep an eye on is just one how dominant tech is in its home ballpark and two how much covid is going to affect who gets to host i mean it's going to be a total shit show to figure out who's going to end up where you have all that but then you have the other rule about this that i don't like at all is the fact that it doesn't matter what your stadium capacity has been at all season you cannot have more than 50% of your capacity at these regionals and super regionals. So, you know, Tech, to be honest, Tech, quite frankly, has been at 100% all season, all baseball season. They really haven't had any restrictions other than, you know, wear your mask when you're not eating or drinking and whatnot. But the fact that we're going to have to tone it down from 100% to 50% that's something that I know for a fact that tech doesn't like. And I know that the city of Lubbock really doesn't like it either because when you're hosting these regionals and super regionals, it brings in, you know, it brings in income for these small businesses in the city of Lubbock alone. So, I mean, this is affecting a lot more than just, you know, our home field advantage. And I get that. I do. And I think that it's perfectly valid to say that, you know, there's a concern. But I un- the reason why I think I'm okay with it, and it, I get it from the perspective that tech is better when they get to go to 100%. That's just a fact, the better environment. But my thing is just, how are you going to manage it with everybody doing something different? Then it becomes a whole thing, did somebody get an unfair advantage? And I the NCAA had to get in there and say something, but in typical fashion, they took a hatchet job and what might have been a little bit more nuanced. So, you know, I'm fine with it. It does hurt tech, but... You kind of got to live with that one, I think, from my perspective. Yeah, I think in terms of uh, uh, the NCAA coming to step in, I think they kind of did that in terms of not wanting to get a bad look on them. If they didn't come in and say something, I think the country would kind of view that negatively, not least in our area, but I know other places in the country that are a lot more strict on COVID stuff still. I mean – Yes, it's the cases in Lubbock are zero to none right now, but you're going to have schools coming in from God knows where in the country coming to play here if you host a regional. So they're going to try and, and do their best to at least make an attempt at trying to, to keep some COVID protocol in the, into effect, whether it actually gets followed that strictly or not here in Lubbock. Something that I, I did notice is just how little – baseball seems to have been impacted by COVID in certain areas. I mean, have we lost a Big 12 series? I don't think so. I don't think anybody in the Big 12 has had one. I, I don't think so. I know that the only one, the only series that I've seen that have been impacted by COVID have been, uh, you know, Big 12 series with other conferences. Um, like, I mean, Tech's going through it right now for this week. You know, we're Technically, from when we're recording this right now, we're supposed to be in the middle of a baseball game right now. That we're supposed to start 
have a first pitch at 2 p.m. today, Friday. So, uh, you know, we're going through it right now. And I, if I'm not mistaken, I believe this is the first real uh, series that we've had, period, that's been affected by it. Uh, I, I know, I, I know, yeah, I know other teams have, but I, you know, I think this is the first real one that tech's been affected by. Yeah, knock on wood. I mean, I will literally knock on wood because we're about to turn around into the end of baseball season heading into football. Tech has been extremely fortunate with COVID protocol. The, the, the big outbreaks in the team have all happened in the offseason. Nobody was seriously impacted. We haven't really lost any sporting events. I don't think there was a basketball game moved or canceled, and I don't think – what, did we have any football changes as a result of this, Reed? You'd know better than I how much that got impacted. No, I mean, we hit most of the guys that had it, I think, were all offseason, like you said. So, I mean, other than the the backle we had with, with Baylor, with nearly all of our specials being out, uh, which ended up being all right because Gary Bay kind of saved the day there. But, uh, yeah, other than that, we really didn't have any issues that I can remember. Yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been weird. I mean, it's just been odd that Tech's kind of lived, and I don't know if it's because the university's doing it right or it's pure dumb luck, but Tech has really lived kind of in a sports bubble, and that's kind of odd. And now it does suck that now that the NCAA gets to step in and say, despite the fact that you did your job, which is keep the cases off your team, keep the cases down in your area, because now in particular Lubbock has had you know, a pretty good string of rolling out its vaccine. The university's done well, but – Regardless, cases are in decline in Lubbock, and the school's doing better, and they're starting to, I think, are we? Are they all back in person? Are you guys still online for you people who are taking finals? Uh, yeah, we're online right now uh, still. We're doing, we, I have a couple hybrids, um, but when it gets to summer two, I have a face, I have a face-to-face right now, um, but they're doing it kind of weird when it comes to, they want the younger kids, the freshmen, to have more in-person classes. Um, but overall they said that we should be back to close to 100% face to face, uh, this coming fall. So that's what it's looking like here right now. Yeah. I would say come August, we're almost, I want to say normal, but almost hundred percent normal in terms of classes, sports, and, you know, going into school buildings and everything, maybe, maybe with a mask, maybe not. I don't know. It's kind of a toss up. I would say. Yeah, whatever whatever new normal is now, who the who, who the hell knows what that's going to be, but uh, yeah, it's just it's been very odd, and now it it does feel like it's a little more in your face for Tech to have to deal with a, a stadium restriction because even during football season, I mean, we were one of the one of the few guys out there that kind of from the jump was like, we're going to have people in the stands, whatever percent the state's going to allow, and you know that's there's regionality to that, but it really hasn't killed tech like it has some programs and been kind of nice we haven't really had to deal and face the harsh reality that playing sports and covid takes and uh, nice but yeah i it's been a it's been a total disaster start to finish for most conferences and we've just kind of cruised along i mean it's just the big 12 just kind of felt like it's on autopilot other than like baylor basketball everybody's been playing their series travel's not been a big deal got a million odd teams in the tournament for uh, even got the national champion football, I think we only had one or two games canceled, and it they just I don't know for a conference that most people think is pretty incompetent, it's gone pretty well. I can't complain. Yeah, I think we've done well. We've kind of been middle of the road, like you said. We didn't go to the extreme like the Pac-12 did, waiting until November to play football or anything. But 
Um, at the same time, we didn't open the floodgates like the SEC did and just let whatever go on either. It didn't seem like. So I think they, they did exactly what they needed to do with testing and everything, but also allowing us to, to play as much as possible too. Yeah, and, and the one thing that, I, uh, that I've noticed a lot about right now, uh, I don't know if you all saw this uh, over the past weekend, the Louisville baseball coach going on his rant in the post game presser. I think it was actually, I think it was actually after they played Vanderbilt and he was saying, you know, cause the ACC is still limiting. If I don't even think they're allowing fans in baseball stadiums right now. And so the fact that they're going through all of this and, you know, Louisville just beat Vanderbilt, and I granted it was a midweek. I think it was the same day we played Oklahoma in Amarillo. But uh, you know, Louisville played Vanderbilt, and that's a that's a top fifteen matchup for one game, and the, and no fans could go to it. And he, and he was fed up about it. And uh, you know, I tend to agree with him. I feel bad that you know no one can come to their Sam because Louisville is historically pretty good. Uh, on the diamond, you know, they're, they're pretty good baseball school. So the fact that they can't have really any fans right now, or if they can, it might be just limited to, you know, players, uh, friends and family. Uh, you know, that's a rough, it's rough all around. So I think the big 12, like you said, has, uh, has been had favorable, uh, conditions for sure. Yeah. And, and it's a, you I don't want it, to. It's tough to say who's doing what well. You know, it's it's really hard to tell with a disease like this. I saw his rant, and what my thoughts about it is just I think that where we are now, it's got to be. And I don't know anything about Louisville's um, um, cases or how they're doing, but all I'm going to say is I think that there is a sense amongst coaches that you know they're really at a disadvantage, and it's not fair, and it's. I don't think the administrators are necessarily doing the wrong thing or the right thing. I just, I personally think that tech has handled it well. I think the big 12 has done a great job. I mean, we just, I think that overall it's been a bit of a blessed life and you know, I'm sure that all boils down to the biggest thing in the world, dumb luck, but I'm going to pick on Kendall again because he isn't big 10 country, but the, the disaster of big 10's rollout of their football season is obviously the, the, the pinnacle of, of, the worst way to do COVID protocols. So, I mean, that's, that's Kendall as an Iowa fan, what was it like watching just the disaster of trying them, trying to play football and then just deciding, Oh, Ohio state's our champion. They're going to the playoff. It su- actually sucked. Cause Iowa started out. zero and two, but then had won six straight and then had their last two games, including their bowl game canceled that I felt like, if they would have gotten to play Michigan at the end of the year, they would have actually had a pretty good shot to get a much better bowl game. But just the way the Big Ten handled everything the whole season, like going into every week, you didn't know if you were even going to be playing a game or not because something would come out in the middle of the week and it was like one positive test within a team and it seemed like everything was shut down for the next two, three weeks for that team. And just watching a team like Indiana who had almost – knocked off Ohio State and then Ohio State didn't meet the minimum requirements and then just seeing them thrown into the Big Ten championship I just think the Big Ten between them and the Pac-12 I don't know who handled everything worse honestly yeah I yeah, agree 
Or, go yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, can you imagine if the Big 12 did something like that, similar, like if we had something like that, and then like OU or Texas, you know, didn't meet the requirement, and then they threw OU or Texas into the Big 12 championship game? Can you imagine just like the the flack that the Big 12 would have gotten? That would have been insane. Yeah, I agree with that. I think had it not been Ohio State, they wouldn't have done that at all. You know, if, if it was, you know, Northwestern, whoever it was, just not as well known, goes and wins the Big Ten, they would probably would not have tried to throw them in uh, into that situation by at all. But, I mean, it's it's I think from their point of view, it's about revenue. They wanted to try and salvage whatever they could out of a horrible year for everybody. But um, they, they didn't handle it well, and that just – I mean, that made them look bad, but at the same time, they they did whatever they had to to get a team in the playoffs. So. I mean, yeah, from a, strategy, from a strategy perspective, what's funny about it is, like, it was the best way for the Big Ten to guarantee a playoff spot. And I, I'm not even of the opinion that Ohio State was not one of the four best teams. I think, arguably, they were from the four best teams – from the jump, and it, it, we really ne- didn't necessarily need a season to demonstrate that. I don't think this year. I think parity in college football died a little this year. There were a bunch of the top four teams, and then a bunch of garbage everywhere else. Trying just to slog through it is a truly horrendous experience for the entire world, which has been the pandemic. And you know, it was an honor that we got to watch sports played at all, um, or it was a pleasure to get to watch sports played at all. But I just think that you know. The Big Ten, from an Optus perspective, I just I can't imagine waking up one day and just being like, you know what? People seem to like our brand. Let's make sure they don't in about a week. You know, we're gonna make sure they don't like this brand in a week. But uh, back to tech baseball, since we did get sidetracked with that discussion a little bit. The last thought I wanna I wanna kind of discuss is okay, you're you're tech, and you're sitting, you're watching the TCU Texas series this weekend for. Who's going to take the lead in the Big 12? Texas has a chance to get back on top. TCU has a chance to basically ice it. How do you feel knowing that you beat Tech in Texas, or Tech uh, TCU in Texas, and you were convincingly dominant over TCU? Texas was a little gimmicky, but you did get the, the series win there too. But TCU, you were after the first game, you were the better team by a mile. How do you feel watching that and knowing you dropped series to Kansas State and Baylor, and that's why you're not in the conversation? Again, I think you look at you look at injuries. I mean, you can, like I hate to blame a season on injuries because that's it's just a cop out in my mind. But you you have to look at it, and I think and I've I've written in uh, I mean I've I've said it on my Twitter account, and I've I've written about it a couple times in my in my write ups for the site that. I think what truly happened in those series, I think you had a tech squad that was very good. And these are pre, I mean, the injuries were bad, but you have a tech squad that's good. And a lot of the, uh, of our roster is better than, you know, a majority of the big 12, even with all the injuries, the starting lineup that we're putting out, that we put out on Tuesday against OU is better than, you know, a majority of the Big 12 schools, even with our injuries. Our rotation is still better than more than half of the league, even with the injuries. And so you are looking at a team, in my mind, they overlooked them. They overlooked that Kansas State series. It was our first true road series of the year, so I don't really know how you can overlook them. 
but you're you're playing a team that at the time was at the bottom of the Big 12. And for a while, they only had two Big 12 wins. And it was both of them were against us. So that hurts big time. And then you have, you know, that series against Baylor that literally everything that could have possibly gone wrong for Tech went wrong. You had poor pitching. You had poor hitting with runners in scoring position. You had bad fielding. You had basically just a terrible series. And thank God for Micah Dallas pitching on Saturday the way he did. Because if Micah Dallas doesn't pitch that well on that Saturday, you get swept at home against an unranked team as a number five team in the country. And that doesn't look good on any resume. I don't care if you I don't care if you go to number three and win all three. I don't care if you sweep Texas in Austin after getting swept at home against Baylor. It's not the same. Cause at that point, uh what were we? Uh we were eleventh. We dropped all the way from five to eleven after losing to uh Baylor in that way. So I mean it's it's missed opportunities, but at the same time, you know, you're hoping that watching two of those three games in Austin, uh, that game against OU, granted that game against OU on Tuesday, this past Tuesday, a lot of uh, bench guys were played for both teams. It was more of a platoon bullpen game for both teams, so you're not really seeing the best of the best on the mound. Uh, you know, so you're just hoping that this is evident of what's to come. You're hoping that maybe this team is starting to find that winning mix, that, that recipe for success. And, you know, if it, if that's, uh, you know, Monteverde on Friday, Micah Dallas on Saturday, Mason Montgomery on Sunday with, you know, uh, with please, if anyone from this baseball team that makes lineups is listening, please keep Drew Baker in that leadoff spot. Cause that's where he belongs. And that's where we do our most damage is when Drew Baker leads off and hits for almost 400 average on the year. Yeah, I mean, I think what's what's entertaining about baseball is the uncertainty of the game. But what I do think is frustrating is you are feeling like, you know, if you play a little bit better in a couple situations, you're in the Big 12 hunt. And, yeah, we, uh, Drew Baker's on a tear. I mean, the guy's just been phenomenal. The other thing, he's just another guy on, on the list that hadn't been able to stay healthy. I mean, he's played the majority of the year, don't get me wrong, but you got to think at some point playing every single game – Maybe even just lead off is going to tax on his body a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's a lot of missed opportunities, like you guys said. Uh, the Baylor and K-State series. I mean, you, you go out K-State and beat them 17-2 to or whatever it was the first game, and you think this series is just going to be a breeze. And I feel like that may have been uh, what, what was in Tech's mind. That was just going to be a blow-off, and they got hit in the mouth second day and didn't know what to do the third day either. Um, you know, we just got to be able to play consistent at times when we haven't been able to. I mean, in, in the bullpen outside of Sublit and at times uh, a couple of other guys, I'm really not super sold on anyone, on anybody out there, um, mainly between injuries and just depending on how the starters do. But uh, going into the postseason, I think it's just going to depend on who we get matched up with um, and where, where we play. Again, like you guys said, we're in Lubbock. I think that helps a whole lot. But 
we got to play a regional in Lubbock and then go somewhere else for a super. I, I, I really don't know how that's going to look in terms of how far we'll get into the postseason. Yeah, and to, to so to answer the to go around the whole thing and kind of answer full circle about the ceiling, in my mind at least, it, that's that's what it hinges on for me. Uh, if if you have a super regional in Lubbock, then I definitely think that Omaha is a very real possibility, and I, you know, I Derek put it at sixty forty uh, percentage wise probability, but. Like you said, if you if you host a regional, but then you have to go somewhere else for a uh, super. Granted, it'd be since we were a higher rank, it'd be one of the lower teams on the scale of one to eight when it comes to hosting super regionals. But still, I I don't know if I've seen enough good stuff out of this team on the road other than the Texas series. And granted the Texas series was great, but uh, I just keep thinking I'm anything that I think of tech on the road, I'm just going to go right back. I'm going to default back to that series in uh, Manhattan, Kansas, just because of how strong it started and how poorly it ended. It was just total opposite ends of the spectrum on that. And so that's what, that's what, my main uh, issue is, you know, if if Tech can host both, then yeah, uh, Omaha for me is a real big possibility. But if they can only host one of the two, you know, I think it goes back more to a 50-50 toss-up, you know, pick heads or tails and flip a coin in my mind. Yeah, in terms of, of seeding, I'm not as as knowledgeable in this as I would be in basketball. Uh, does it's according to this, it's a couple weeks old, so we're probably a little a little higher on the scale by now. But it has us as an 11 seed hosting a regional. Would that mean we play a six seed? Say if we if us and the six seed both win, would we match up in the super regional, or is that how that works? Uh, yeah, it, it's it's close to that. And uh, right now, I I believe we're ranked eighth. So if the season were to end, you know, today. And we would host a regional because the top the top sixteen host a regional, and then the top eight host super regionals. Right. So, uh, yeah, you would if you're an eleven, you'd go up against a six, probably. Yeah, and that, um, like according to this, you got Mississippi State as a six. Like, I can't visualize us going to Starkville on the road and winning two of three. Yeah, absolutely not. I I don't. I'll I can uh I can kind of take a look real quick about what we got on uh for the rankings here uh, for top 25. Yeah, this we would be a little old. I'm looking at this is from towards the end of April. So yeah. So according to this, right. Yeah. According to this right now, if we were to, if the season ended today and we want everyone in the top 16 advanced, won their respective regional in advance, we would host Arizona in a regional in Lubbock. And if not Arizona, then it'd be either Florida or Ole Miss, which I don't like those matchups at all. But that's the good thing about baseball, though. You know, any given day, someone can knock it out. And and I would be willing to bet a lot of money that the top 16 seeds do not all advance. And as much as it sucks to say, Tech could be one of those. But 
you know, you get lower down into the 15, 16 range, you know, 14, 13 and 14 East Carolina and Louisiana Tech. No, no offense and not knocking those teams, but they don't really play anyone. And so if you, if you get a team, yeah, exactly. So if you get a team like East Carolina or Louisiana Tech hosting a regional and like the number two seed in that regional is like a South Carolina or UCLA, then yeah, I don't see why that team couldn't win. Or you know what I mean? Like if you get like an SEC team in there, then there's no reason that an SEC team could not knock off, you know, these teams that are in like the big South or the horizon league or the whack or something like that. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's the thing about baseball. And the other part about this is you have to remember that because um, how baseball handles it, if tech say tech sits at nine, which would put them outside. If eight loses, Tech takes the host. So baseball is an interesting sport in which it rewards the highest seed available, not the predetermined slot. And the other thing is, like I mentioned earlier, you're not guaranteed to host super regionals or regionals in your ballpark, depending on how the NCAA rules about COVID regulations. There's a lot of uncertainty about, you know, Say, say I, I don't know if this is true, but say you're you're Boise State out of the Mountain West, and you're hosting a regional, and you're the you're the, uh, the 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 nine seed, and the eight falls, and it should go to you. They may stay at eight if they think that that ballpark is better prepared for COVID, or you know it could be something different where um, two regional hosts fall, and then it's supposed to default to the next highest seed. Neither one of those teams could be allowed to host because they don't meet the COVID requirements. They may have to stay at one of the ballparks to play. So there's just an added layer this year, but it is, we, we've said it multiple times, it is critically important that Tech sneaks its way into a super host if they want Omaha. And I think uh, I think we're going to we're gonna wrap up here, actually. We're heading in right in an hour, which is a great place for the first show. So we're going to wrap up with just by me saying, I hope you guys all enjoyed it. We're going to try to get better at this every single week, make a better show every single week. This is our first attempt. So if you think that, you know, anything wrong with it we're gonna blame it on the fact that we're new and you can't hold that against us you're not allowed to it's not a we're, we're, we're gonna be the best podcast on earth starting episode two um but I, I i really enjoyed doing this i hope everybody who downloads this or listens to it likes it too um we're gonna try to be a bit more active on twitter i'm gonna hand off the keys to um all the guys actually so that we can start tweeting regularly from that account and we're gonna we're gonna try to help you engage with you guys, everybody out there. We don't know what we're doing with Sports Blog Nation yet. We're we're gonna talk to them about whether or not we can officially join their network, which we'd love to do, or we're just gonna be four independent Viva the Matadors writers who like talking tech sports in our free time. But like I said, this has been episode one of the Hub City Homers. It's been my pleasure to kind of host since I have the the software and I hope I big thanks to all my fellow co-hosts Jack Kendall and Reed for coming along. Um, we'll have numerous topics. We're going to try to get gas going forward and hope you guys enjoy our, our project wreck them. And let's, let's see what happens, man. Let's see how baseball plays out. Thank you everybody. <laughs>